I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, holiday time, Merry Christmas time. Hope it was a Merry Christmas time. Hope it'll be a Happy New Year time. I don't know how many people around here are happy with football time, but hey, there's basketball time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. We'll call it late on a Monday afternoon. Probably get this to you very late in Monday afternoon. If all things go well, late Monday afternoon, maybe early Monday evening. We shall see. Plenty to discuss on the program. It's not just going to be me. On this podcast, going to go down to the Blunt County Satellite Office of Govals 24-7 and bring in uh, the one, the only, Grant Ramey. Ramey, first off, man, welcome on in. How was uh, how was Christmas with the Rameys? Uh, we spent the last, how many, how many days has it been since Christmas now? Three, trying to find more square footage in our house that we can jam uh, huge racetrack toys and Barbie doll houses and all that stuff. So it's the, it's the normal routine after Christmas. Did, did you have to make any uh, Christmas Day trips uh, to find any store that was open to get batteries? That was always a uh, a Rucker family staple was. No, for some reason, we have a drawer full of batteries. I did have to go a couple days ago to get some D batteries because who keeps D batteries at their house? But that was the only one. Everything else was uh, went on as scheduled. Yeah, that was sort of a tradition was that my parents growing up, it was always Christmas was always great. But my, my mom, my grandmother, everyone, my dad. Uh, everyone would it was just great Christmases always with the family, but but it seemed like they were never the right batteries. So they always had to go find whatever drugstore, or grocery store was open, a Walmart, what what have you, and get batteries on Christmas Day. Alas, Christmas has come and gone, and uh, for a lot of people out there, Tennessee still has the same head football coach. Uh, certainly, there's lots to discuss there. We're gonna break this down. We're going to go uh, football first segment. We're go, we'll go hoops second segment. Uh, briefly, hoops, obviously, things going really well there, up to sixth nationally uh, in the coaches' poll, seventh in the AP poll, uh, facing uh, Missouri to start SEC play here in just a couple of days on Wednesday night at the stupid hour of 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll have plenty to discuss about that game, uh, going down to, to see Conzo Martin and his 12th-ranked Tigers in the second segment. But, but before then, here's the deal, guys. A lot of times – you wonder, hey, it's it's been a little bit of time since you've had a podcast, and and there's there's no excuse for that. But 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 hear me out on this. All the time in 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 sports writing, we have to write what we call a kind of shells. They're they're sort of preparing for something that might happen, uh, something that might not happen. Uh, we're we're not quite sure, uh, but we have to have something ready just in case it does happen. Uh, for for a bad um, example of this uh, is the. Uh, basically, the Associated Press has you know obituaries written for like anyone who's famous anywhere in the world, and, and so if anything bad happens, you have something ready to go. Well, after the football season, we we were not exactly sure, and still maybe not positive, what exactly would happen uh, with Tennessee, uh, with the head coaching situation, with some of the other coaches, and, and so you have to have things ready. And if you don't have to run it, that's fine, but you just have to have some things ready. And so you don't want to, for some reason, we're okay with wasting time doing that grant. But with the podcast, there's always like this fear that I have that we're going to have this big podcast release. And then like 30 minutes later, whatever we've done will no longer be relevant. And I don't know why that bothers me more with the podcast than it does with, with, 
content, like written content, it just kind of does. It seems like uh, wh- why go through the trouble of recording something uh, if, if 30 minutes later it's going to be completely irrelevant. And, and then so, so that we had that issue kind of after the A&M game and a couple days after that. Then everybody goes their separate ways for, for Christmas and does some certain things, and, and you're still trying to figure out what's going to go on with news. Bottom line is it's been a bit since we've had one, way too long, but you just never, Grant, you just never really know what's going to happen right now in the world. Turns out, whatever, um, whenever you end a college football season on December 19th, that kind of makes things a little bit tricky in the next uh, however many days following, yep. trying to figure yep. out all the uh, all the happenings, especially at Tennessee, where it would be nice to have some kind of assurance one way or the other what's going on, but you just kind of hang out in limbo uh, and try to figure things out. And uh, what's, what's the expression about what can go wrong, will go wrong? What's that theory uh, called? The Murphy's Law. There's got to be a Murphy's Law of podcasting. I'm pretty sure we released a Hoops podcast talking about scheduling and what games might be yeah. played and what games won't be played. Yep. And about 30 minutes after it was released, they canceled the first four games that we had just spent an hour talking about. So I don't blame you for having that fear. We've lived it. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, here's the deal. If It's funny, we've been watching Letterkenny. Someone go, here's the deal, and I'm going to tell you. You know, the, the deal is... What you saw at Texas after the season was you you saw Texas put out a release saying Tom Herman is our football coach. He will be our football coach moving forward. We're looking forward to to growing and going into next season. They basically released a statement saying, shut up, everyone. Tom Herman's the coach. Deal with it. At Tennessee, you've had a situation where some people behind the scenes have been very upset with some things. Uh, obviously, you go 3-7 and seven at a place like Tennessee, you're, you're going to have some people upset. Um, but all you had was you, you were going to have a bowl game. Remember that? Tennessee was going to have a bowl game. What if we had done the uh, West Virginia preview podcast and then less than like an hour later it ends up being, hey, wait, actually, you don't have to do one. That's the time of year that we're in right now. So so basically you go through this this whole situation – and and what Tennessee does is has a you know Philip Fulmer is quoted in the release talking about Pruitt and the team having a springboard to 2021, and people are having to parse words and they're saying, well, does that mean he's for sure the head coach? Because it's it kind of sounds like it, but they haven't come out and said it. And, and so then you've got this you know investigation which is going on in house still at the moment. I still don't think this is like a Watergate deal where the president of the United States is going to have to be uh, you know stepped down from his office. I don't think this is going that route. We'll see, but I I, don't, I doubt it. But the longer that goes on, you you get people you know the the tinfoil just the tinfoil ancient aliens crowd keeps going and going and going, and those people are right just enough where you have to kind of pay attention. But right now. As it, as we're sitting here right now recording this, and, and you know this is me knocking on wood because God knows what's going to happen, but it looks to me like Jeremy Pruitt's still Tennessee's head football coach because if you weren't going to do it by now, why would you do it? That's where I am with this, Grant. Yeah, that's exactly. The, the timing is my emphasis. If you haven't, it's December 28th. Your season's been over since December 19th. If you haven't made a move by now, why have you not made a move? And why have you waited this long? How much time have you wasted here? You're, you're putting whoever you would hire at a, in a much tougher position because you're, you know, you're coming up on a, a signing day here in February. Obviously, most of the signing days are already done. That's the early signing day. That's kind of what it is now, the new national signing days yep. in December when the early period begins. So you want to, if you're making a change, you know, the best case scenario is you're doing it around Thanksgiving and you're giving this new staff a chance to put together some kind of class even though obviously it's going to be rushed and it's just going to be thrown together like we saw at South Carolina. I mean, we saw Auburn do an early signing day without a head coach. I mean, so what you take away from this, I haven't heard anything since the internal investigation was reported, was uncovered, whatever, uh, during that Texas A&M. Nothing since then has made me think it's going to be a huge deal that forces some kind of change at Tennessee. And if that's the case, and there's been no change that's been made yet. And Philip Fulmer's mentioning Pruitt in a bowl game press release back when Tennessee was still planning on playing a bowl game. That um, it, it would not make any sense to do it at this point. I mean, that, that's the, the timing is the biggest thing for me. You're going to have to a hire who's, who are you going to hire? That's going to be immediately better than the guy you have. I don't know yes. who their list of candidates is, which is my, which is my number calendar, one thing. That's my number one thing. Right, and at this point in the calendar, you can't be Auburn and go down a list of eight guys over two weeks and then 
get somebody who might not be the first candidate you had on your list. I don't know where uh, Harson was on Auburn's list, but Tennessee doesn't have time if they made a change now to work their way down a list. It would have to be make a change one day, announce the new hire the next day, all of it's wrapped up and a, a clean search, which is stuff we've written on the board when asked about this. Clean searches have not been Tennessee's thing. Quick searches have not been Tennessee's thing. There's always been drama. There's always been multiple candidates. So yeah, at this point, I, I see no reason why you would do it now that you didn't do it X number of days ago. And, and my argument this entire time, and, and, and people are certainly free to disagree with this. I mean, it's the, there's room for a whole wide world full of opinions there. And we know that in, in the world surrounding Tennessee athletics, agreement is, is not always a thing that exists. But my personal belief is that if Tennessee wanted to go ahead and do it, if Tennessee wanted to cut bait, you're talking roughly 18.6 to 18.8 million dollars if you wanted to buy out Pruitt and all of his staff. And, and then if you some people were talking about Philip Fulmer on top of it, that would be put you in the ballpark of 22 million. So so let's just say right now that if you're Philip Fulmer, you wanted to go ahead and, and and do this, and you know you had donors come to you and say, okay, we we have to have a change. I would say, okay, I'll give you a, I'll give you a change if you can guarantee me three things. Uh, I need I need a couple of checks from you, one for $18.6 million right off the bat to just pay this buyout and be done with it because there is zero offsetting language in Pruitt's contract, so he would be paid everything no matter what. And Tennessee does not, in my opinion right now from this investigation, have anything that ties directly to him that would allow you to fire him for cause like you know who Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss. I don't think you have that. Uh, so, so right now you would be paying. So if you, I'd say, okay, give me $18.6 million in a check, then give me a second check that has blanks on it. And I can go get whoever the hell I want, because I want to go get an absolute difference maker. I want to go get a guy who I know top 10 caliber coach will get this program back in two to three years, almost without question. And that's, that's the second thing. The third thing is I need assurances, absolute assurances like put my reputation on the line assurances that this guy will take the job if those three things happen i would say thank you for your time jeremy pruitt but uh, that's not what this program needs right now moving in a different direction here's your money let's go forward if you have all those things i am all about it if you don't have any of those three things right now i think if you're tennessee you're just spinning your tires and you're doing the same crap that just puts you in this position to begin with, and you'll be doing this exact same thing in three to four years, and you'll be doing it with less money. I would let Jeremy Pruitt have another season. That's what I would do. And I would say, okay, if this doesn't work out, probably cut bait during the season and then give you a nice head start in a better economy to go get another coach. And you'll have had you know three or four recruiting classes in a row brought in by the same staff. You'll know sort of what you have roster-wise. I just think the picture looks a lot clearer next season. And I said from the beginning that I thought Pruitt needed three years, and this was a weird year, and they did not handle it right. Fair enough. They did not handle it right. But I think people get emotional with these things, and they don't see what's actually happening. And if Tennessee were to go make a hire like the one Auburn made, like the one South Carolina made, does that make you feel better about the future? You're trading. Now, maybe the devil you don't know is better than the devil you know, and that's just enough for you. Cool. That's cool. Grant, I don't see it that way. I see Tennessee putting itself in position to do the same crap it's been doing for a dozen years, and I don't think it works. No, and, and this uh, – people shouldn't take this as an endorsement of Jeremy Pruitt. Correct. I don't know if he's the answer. I don't think you know if he's the answer. I don't think yep. – I don't know if 2021 is any different than 2020 um, or if they make any progress or if they figure it out. If, if everybody starts pulling in the same direction and they win games, is it going to look like 2019 – Early in the season, is it going to look like 2019? Late in the season, is it going to look like 2020 all over again? I don't know, and I don't know that he's the answer. I don't know he's the guy that you want to invest your future in. But the fact is, you gave him an extension and a raise three, what was four months ago in September, whatever the math is there. Um, So the timing is just everything that's gone on, the timing since September, since that extension, has put you in a position where I don't think you make a change now because I don't know – what jobs are open that are going to hire the candidates that you might have on your list right now that aren't going to be there a year from now or in November or whenever, yep. if you make a change in 2021, that's my thing. Who, who are you going to hire? Who's not going to be there this time next year? 
and, and and that's the it's timing more than anything. It's not because you think Pruitt's the answer and he needs another year to prove it. It's just because you're kind of stuck right now between a rock and a hard place. And and you're exactly right. You have to go and hire someone that is a difference maker, not someone where you're taking a risk on the guys they've taken risk on in the past. The the Dooleys, the Butches, maybe a Jeremy Pruitt. Who knows what the answer is there? But you got to go out and get that proven winner, that guy that's won at this level, that's maybe been in this league. If that guy's out there, everybody wants to talk about Hugh Freeze. If that's the guy, whatever. If if that's the guy, then go get him. But I don't think the timing works out right now, and I don't think it seems like he's going anywhere uh, based on what he said about his Liberty job or any other candidate out there not named Hugh Freeze. It's got to be a guy that makes a difference. But right now, I don't see how the timing works out where Tennessee could do something at this point. Yeah, and three years ago, if you were Tennessee's athletic director three years ago and, and you were told, listen, um, you're, you, have, you can't hire a guy, you know, it's, it's not going to be a sitting head coach. It's going to be a guy who's, who's not been a head coach. And you say, who is at the very top of that list of people who have not been a head coach yet, but they're young coordinators, they're really good recruiters, people are excited, you would take a chance on this guy. I'm here to tell you right now, Jeremy Pruitt was number one on that list. Full stop. Jeremy Pruitt was number one on that list. Mississippi State tried to hire him. Tennessee did try and did hire him. Others were going to do the same thing. People hire Saban assistants left and right. He was going to be, if you were going to get a guy who had not been a head coach, that was the dude. He was a former National Recruiter of the Year, one of the best young defensive minds in the country, a guy who had worked for Nick Saban for like, what, nine years, something like that, eight years, won a lot of national, won national titles at Florida State and Tennessee, won SEC East titles at Georgia, a guy who has more jewelry in his drawer than just about anybody. That would have been the guy. And look where you are a few years from now. You're not in a place you want to be. Does that mean that you would be in the same situation if you hired somebody else? Uh, maybe not. Some people strike that rich. Some people go out and they get lucky and they get that dude and there they go. You know, Mississippi State with Dan Mullen. Like, hey, that worked out. You know, I mean, some sometimes things work out like that. Other times, Tennessee hiring, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, we don't know. Doesn't look great right now, but before it started looking bad, it was looking pretty good. So I want to see what another year looks like. And people act like this doesn't happen. But it took Johnny Majors about six years to win at Tennessee, and he had already won a national championship before he got there. Now it's a different world now. It is very different. But I, th- but you know, look at Mike Shashevsky at Duke. Took him years to start winning. It's a different world now. But what is it a different world because because of people just don't have patience, or has the game fundamentally changed? I think it's probably more people are just not patient enough. And if you're not going to go get somebody who's a legitimate difference maker, give me somebody who can build that, 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 you know, maybe he can keep recruiting. Maybe he can figure out what it is with the assistance. Maybe, maybe he can figure it out. I'm not convinced he can. Does it look good right now? No, doesn't, doesn't. But I just, I, I think people, people just keep demanding change for the sake of change and, and without thinking about the consequences of that. And I don't, I don't want to hear, just this guy should be fired. I want to hear who you're going to bring in. Do you, did you see the situation? Maybe Hugh Freeze comes to Tennessee and wins a national championship. Everything's great. Look at what he left at Ole Miss. That was a smoldering heap of crap that he left in Oxford. And, and I believe in second chances. I do. If Hugh Freeze came to Tennessee, hey, man, I'd give him a fair shot like anybody else. But is that what you want to do right now? I just don't see it. Do you want to go hire the guy at Coastal Carolina who has never been a player or an assistant coach or a head coach of a Power 5 program? Is that what you want right now? You want a guy who's never done this at this level? I don't know if that's what you want. But right now, I think if you're Tennessee, you just kind of hold – if you're a fan who doesn't want Jeremy Pruitt as your head coach, I think you hold your nose and you wait and see what happens next season – and you know what? They wanted to fire Dabo at one point. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe, maybe, maybe this ends up being the best decision you made by not making a decision. I don't know. But what we know, Grant, right now before we go to break is that Tennessee, certainly with this transfer rule, if it goes into effect, it's going to change things even more. But even without the guarantee of that, Tennessee's roster is going to look different. Now, if Jeremy Pruitt's still the head coach of Tennessee, I've been told there are at least half a dozen guys they feel like they're going to get. And I think one of them is a quarterback. Don't know who it is, 
been looking, don't know who it is, but I think this is not just going to be a one-way door where people are leaving. I think Tennessee is going to bring in some dudes too. Some some dudes are going to see, I go there, I get playing time in the SEC, I get a chance to compete against the best, I get scouts looking at me by default, that's a good situation, I'm going to go give it a shot. You're going to have people do that. It's not just going to be a one-way door. Right now, because of the uncertainty, it looks like a one-way door because people are leaving. A lot of seniors and even some younger players are leaving. I'm looking here at our portal page here at 24-7 Sports. Right now, uh, since the season started, Tennessee's had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 dudes, I believe, uh, since the beginning of this season have gone into the portal. Some recent additions, very prominent ones, J.T. Shrout, the quarterback, uh, going to Colorado, I think it would have been nice for Tennessee to keep him as for reasons that I've mentioned many times. But, hey, he's going to go, and I don't blame him. He's gone to Colorado. Jared Garantano, as expected, is in the portal. Don't know where he's going to go yet. We'll see where he lands. Other prominent guys that are going, uh, Brandon Johnson, the wide receiver. The most, the most surprising one to me was Austin Pope. That was one I absolutely did not see coming, the senior tight end. He's going to go elsewhere. Uh, Savion Williams, the defensive lineman. Obviously, Kevon Bennett's going somewhere else. We know that. Got arrested, kicked off the kicked out of the program. And then there's a couple walk-ons who are going places. And then Balaam Buchanan, who's been hurt for a while, he's going to go somewhere else too. And, and I'll tell you, the quarterbacks, that doesn't surprise me. That That's sort of, I think, what a lot of us expected uh, would, would be that Garantano and one more would go, and, and it ended up being Shrout, um, who I think could be really good at Colorado, could be really bad. We'll see, but. I'd, I really would like to see him get the keys to an offense because I love to watch him throw the football. But the one that surprised me the most, Grant, was Austin Pope. I'll be honest with you. That one surprised me a lot. And, and we talked about if there was an opening, Tennessee's got to hire a difference maker. I think that goes for Jeremy Pruitt filling vacancies on his staff, and I mm-hmm. think it goes for Jeremy Pruitt filling vacancies through the transfer portal. Yep. All these guys that you're talking about. Austin Pope, the tight end position, they've never really figured it out over the last three years they've had some guys in here some names but it's never really i don't know played out the right way they needed a guy like austin pope assuming he can get healthy and get back to the the guy that he was at the position Uh, but he's in the portal so you better go out and you better find difference makers with your offensive line coach whoever that is with will friend going to south carolina i don't think that surprised anybody his contract was up uh, in about a month or so that was kind of an expected move uh, obviously, defensive line coach, you've been in the market for one of those for a couple of months. You better strike gold there. Do it as and quickly on the offensive line and as quickly as you as, can. Right, as quickly as you can. Whatever other vacancies, if there are others that open up on this staff, you have to. And it's not going to be easy to attract talent to this program because there's not a lot of momentum right now. People don't really know what's Jeremy Brute's job security, what's the future here. I think that goes for both coaches and players. So you better sift through. Uh, the portal and the possible possibilities uh, on this staff and you better strike gold and find the right guys because you're going to need a lot of help on the offensive line. You're going to need a lot of help on the defensive line. You're going to have to figure out the trenches before you figure out these other places. You're going to have to figure out quarterback. I mean, JT Trout, he looked pretty good the last few weeks yes, he and, did. and now he's gone. So Harrison Bailey, is he your answer What from what you've seen the last month? Uh, Caden Salter, can he come in and compete and be a legitimate uh, possibility at the position? Can you go to the portal and find somebody that can come in and, and not be a Keller Christ or a, you know somebody else that's going to be? Can uh, Brian Maurer play a half of football without getting hurt? Right. I mean, you got to answer these questions and you got to fill these slots with difference makers because you have to have an answer if when twenty twenty one gets here, assuming you know everything stays put as it is. My, my point on this is this, Grant. Before we go to break, I, I still think that there is uncertainty at Tennessee, but as soon as they get the you know the as soon as it becomes crystal clear to everyone that Pruitt's going to be the head coach, as soon as they the, the sort of the fever pitch from this season sort of winds down, I still think a quarterback's going to look at Tennessee as a really, really interesting place to go because there are not many places you can go in the SEC where you're going to be guaranteed to, to play uh, against the best on a weekly basis and you get a chance to show what you can do. And if you're a quarterback – I'm telling you, that he might be a guy who lost his job somewhere else. He might be a guy who was just a, a sophomore, you know, and a freshman five-star came in and took his job, and but he's still a good player, you know, like a Daniels at Georgia. I mean, there are going to be guys, and I've, I've heard there is one. I don't know who he is yet, and I'm sorry that I don't know. I've been working on it. I don't know. Uh, but I still think a quarterback's going to look at that as a good situation because you can go to a place in the SEC where you can do some things – and you have a chance to, to, to play and, and to, to 
to play at a place like Tennessee, I, I think as a quarterback right now, it would still be interesting, at least to me. I might be wrong about that, but you're taking a leap into the dark a little bit, but you're taking a leap into the dark in a situation where it's the SEC and you might get to, 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 to start. You can look at 2019 and 2020 and Jeremy Fruit and his staff. You're going to get at least an opportunity. Who knows how long that opportunity is going to last? Who knows if you'll get that opportunity again later in the season? But the quarterback position, uh, as, as frustrated as Cincy fans got with sticking with Jared Garantano for most of the 2020 season, obviously they juggled it so much, that position in 2019, uh, with different guys getting different opportunities over and over. It seemed like starters coming off the bench, whatever. Um, they didn't do it as much in 2020. They did it the last month, I guess. But I think if you look at those two seasons combined, the number of changes they made, the number of opportunities that were provided to guys at that position, if you came to Tennessee as a quarterback, I think you'd definitely get your shot, uh, and it would be up to you to hang on to that position. And there's certainly going to be a lot more that we're going to discuss. Um, I think we're we're going to go to break in a second. We're going to stick to fo- uh, to hoops for the rest of of this edition, but but, but of the podcast. But but there's going to be a lot more off season discussion to be had. I'll tell you this: Tennessee is going to have some coaching turnover, as we know. I think there'll be a little bit more. I think some more players are going to go into the portal, and I think some of those names are going to be people are, are going to be guys people don't necessarily want to lose. And I think that that might happen, though. We'll see. Uh, but I also think the flip side of that is I think some exciting. Uh, players will come to Tennessee. I really do believe that, and I think that people will will be able to see some intriguing things there. Uh, so we're going to have plenty more to discuss, and we're going to have plenty more weeks and months to do all that. But right now, we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, and other fun things, and we're going to come back and talk about a sunnier subject. We're going to talk Tennessee basketball here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the go balls 24 7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio grant ramey coming to you from the blunt county satellite office of go balls 24 7 down there in merville tennessee uh, talking a little tennessee football in the first segment going to talk a little tennessee uh, hoops here in the second segment a, a much more enjoyable subject for people to be listening to i imagine uh, so we got plenty to discuss there. Before we do that, though, I'm going to do one quick uh, reminder, guys. Please, please 
please, please take a minute out of your day right now. Go in there and rate and review this podcast. Mash that subscribe button also. Uh, if you're just listening to us uh, on the site, that's awesome. Uh, we love you. Thank you for being a part of the program. Thank you for spending part of your day with us here on the podcast. Um, but we'd also like you to go in there and hit that subscribe button. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And if you could take just a moment out of your day to go in there and subscribe, rate, and review, leave a review in there, that would help us a lot. I see these numbers. They're growing all the time. It's awesome. Uh, but it, it helps us a lot more if you can go ahead and rate and review. And plus, we, we scan those reviews. We listen. Uh, we, we, we watch the feedback. Uh, we get ideas from there. Uh, there. There are certainly lots of lots of good things we've seen in there. Also, a lot of you know, random, like, hey, go to hell, y'all suck. I mean, but that's the internet, you know, that's going to happen. No big deal there. Um, but there's mostly been constructive criticism and, and a lot of happiness in there, and we'd like to see that. Uh, so certainly please go in there and do that. That would help us out a lot. And go to GoVoss247.com and subscribe to the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for Tennessee athletics coverage. Grant, right now for Tennessee basketball, things looking pretty good. The Vols... Um, you know, the one game, obviously, where, you know, probably the only game of the season that you weren't there to cover uh, in person. Uh, I, I filled in for you. You had some Christmas family obligations. And uh, I watched Tennessee's worst performance of the season <laughs> from Thompson Bowling Arena. Might be the only time I'm in the arena all year. And I think I got the, the biggest dud of them all. It was Tennessee's uh, fourth game in eight days. And you could kind of tell uh, the Vols still coasted to an 80-60 to 60 win over USC Upstate. Um, and, and really, it probably should have been a little wider than that. You know, Upstate hit some threes that it had no business hitting, just some tough shots that fell down, some some senior guards, upperclassmen guards making plays. Bottom line, right now, Tennessee undefeated, ranked seventh nationally, uh, ranked uh, in the AP, ranked sixth nationally, uh, I believe, in uh, the coaches' poll. I think Ken Palm has them around nine. Uh, other services have them up there also. So things are going. Um, nothing's ever perfect, but I think to this point in the season, uh, going into a Christmas break and SEC play, uh, considering how rough 2020 has been, uh, considering all the guys that missed time in camp and all these other things and the, the delayed start to the season and a couple guys that are still coming back trying to get healthy, I, I think it's hard to ask for, for a, a better overall situation for the program right now. Yeah, you're almost ex- kind of waiting for that kind of performance they had against USC Upstate, not to play poorly, but just to not look as put together as they had looked through the first five games, especially those three games uh, leading into that USC upstate game in the previous three games where they just rolled over uh, teams like Appalachian State and Tennessee Tech. You're kind of waiting for that sluggish start where they were a little bit sloppy early. They were pretty pretty quick starters against Appalachian State, against Tennessee Tech, jumping out to leads, forcing turnovers, not giving up a lot defensively. Um, so you're kind of waiting on that USC upstate performance, and, and they rebounded. I mean, they kind of bounced back enough, I guess, in that game to – obviously win the game, but to, to play a little bit better in the second half and to, and to look a little bit more like themselves. And it's better to happen on a, you know, midweek game against USC Upstate at home opposed to on the road at Missouri to start SEC play in a couple of days in the first road test of the season. Obviously, that's not what they wanted to go to uh, Missouri to start, you know, their first road game of the season. They, they had other stuff scheduled, Gonzaga and Notre Dame a few weeks ago, early December, to kind of get those road tests out of the way, neutral site games out of the way. And, and um, what would have played out Wisconsin to start the season if the world had been Right, way, way back when it was a completely different schedule. But obviously, those games didn't happen. You only had six home games to get you ready. And so if you get that little bit of a slow start, you get a little bit of adversity in one of those games, I think that could help you moving forward and realize what you can and can't do at this level, especially with the young guys that they're playing in the backcourt, get those guys some experience. Uh, facing some adversity. I know Rick Barnes talked about USC Upstate having the, the guard hit a couple threes on Jaden Springer, and Jaden just kind of looked over the bench like, what am I supposed to do there? Uh, that's a good learning experience. That's what those guys need before the real grind of the schedule starts uh, at Missouri in a couple days. And I'll tell you, it, it wasn't a completely terrible performance, though. Some good things came out of it. First off, Josiah Jordan-James, I think, continues to just look solid and be the guy that – Tennessee wants him to be uh, you know I think the guy that maybe he'll never quite be the type of player that Tennessee fans wanted him to be 
um, or hoped he would be, um, but I think he's exactly the type of player he should be, and he is just a very, very good basketball player who makes that team go in so many different ways. Uh, when you have a guy who can play just about any all the five positions on the floor, obviously you don't want to play him at the five, but he's big and strong enough to do it if you need to in a pinch. Uh, but a guy who can play the one through the four pretty seamlessly, uh, and he can give you a ball handler in that position, a guy who can do a lot of good things. And, and I think he's, he's rebounding. He's one of the best rebounders on the team, probably one of the best rebounders in the SEC, if I'm being honest. And, and a guy who uh, has gotten better defensively because his hip is not bothering him the way it had been all of last season. So that's a good thing. Plus, he went down with a knee injury late in the game on a non-contact situation that looked really scary because um, as soon as you see a guy immediately motion to come off the floor with a non-contact knee – how many times have we seen that song and dance? That That's usually a bad ending. And, and it seemed like things were okay there. And then I thought, uh, but the biggest bright spot overall in that game, I thought was was Olivier Cumwell. I, I think he played the best he's played all season. And as usual, after the game, he continued to be the best interview on this team, which he's been for two years now. Uh, and people, you know, Fulke gives you a lot of the great kind of one-liners and you know, kind of funny anecdotes, but but really, you know, Kumwa is just a really, really smart kid, as most Scandinavian kids t- seem to be, and um, just gives you great answers. And, and he gave some answers after the game because Springer and especially Johnson had some rough moments in that game, and they had been looking so great, so impossibly good for true freshmen, even for five stars. They were just doing some excellent things. And that was the first game where they kind of looked like, okay, yeah, they're they're making some mistakes here. And, and Kumwa had a great, great line about it. He gave like a two- or three-minute answer where he said, listen, in high school, no matter how good you are, you know, you show up, you know, anywhere from an hour to a half hour before the game, you stretch your hamstrings a little bit, you go through the layup line, you throw down a couple of dunks, put up a couple shots, and you're ready to go. And you ball, and that's it. And you usually dominate because if good programs want you, it's because you're dominating other people. Then you get to college and you go from having a game to having a game day or a game week. And the amount of preparation that goes into each game, even the day of the game, is a completely different level. And Rick Barnes said the day before the game against USC Upstate, he noticed those freshmen were showing some of that leg fatigue. They were a little bit lethargic. They just weren't quite as sharp. And he was like, I don't know if they're going to play very well tomorrow. And they didn't. Um, And then you had guys like Bailey and Kumwa come out and say, you know, they'll learn. These guys are smart. They want to do it, um, but they just need to know that at this level, no matter who you play, you play uh, a mid-major, you play a low-major, you even play, you know, Kumwa said, you know, even do even D2 teams have a couple guys who can flat out hoop, and that's just how it is. Basketball is not football, where the Alabamas and Clemsons just get to roll over everybody. It's a different world, and they're going to learn that. And I think that was, for a guy like Kumwa to say that, I just thought, it was one of the better answers I've seen a Tennessee basketball player give to a question in a long time. And I think it showed the maturity of, you know, you can see why Grant, and we've said this a million times over, but just about every time you talk to someone on that team, you see, I see why Rick Barnes wanted him. He sort of fits into what we're trying to do here. And Olivier, what, what he gave them in that game against USC Upstate is exactly what they need from him. They need, I think he played 13 minutes. I think he had nine points three rebounds, something like that. I think he's four for four from the field. They just need dependable minutes, consistent minutes, even if it's not productive minutes, just be somebody that you can rely on. That's exactly what they need from him in his role. He's not the, he's obviously not going to be a starter in the post. He's not going to get those kind of minutes playing behind Eve Pons, playing behind John Fulkerson, even playing behind EJ Anasicki. He's the fourth guy uh, kind of in that post rotation the second mm-hmm. guy off the bench so they don't need a ton from him but if he could consistently give them what he gave them against USC Upstate that makes the post that much deeper and this team that much better I mean Uros Plasic if, if he could do something similar even on a smaller scale than Olivier if he could give them 10 solid minutes a night or eight minutes a night if, if he could just be consistent and and not be somebody that you put on the floor and you're, you're hoping the ball doesn't find, you're hoping the defense or the offense, the opposing offense doesn't go attack. Um, I think with Josiah, the stuff you mentioned there, I think the lessons that Olivier was talking about, I think Josiah probably learned the hard way last year when he had to play 30 minutes a game and had to learn what the game was like at this level, how much different it is. And obviously he wasn't 100% healthy. Uh, but he still played 30 minutes a night and got leaned on heavily. Him and Santiago Vescovi, especially in the SEC schedule the second half of the year last year, 
uh, and and hopefully it looks like they've learned those lessons of, of what they have to do at this level to compete at this level. And, and Josiah is never going to make a ton of flashy plays. He's never going to make a ton of plays that get your attention uh, and make you kind of your, your jaw drop like some of these Keon Johnson plays that have happened the, over the first couple of weeks or these last few weeks. But he's going to fill up the stat line. He's going to score eight, nine points a game. He's going to have five or six rebounds. He's going to have three or four assists. He's going to have maybe a couple blocks, maybe a couple steals. He's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, he's going to play a ton of minutes, and that's exactly what you need from him, and that's exactly what a team needs. They need a guy that's going to fill up a stat sheet like that and just kind of fill in all the gaps uh, with all the talented pieces around him. So Josiah keeps doing what he's been doing the first few weeks of the season. He's going to have a, a breakout year, obviously, and if Olivier can help them the way he helped him against USC Upstate, uh, it would mean really, really big things for this team going into the SEC play. Yeah, here's what Josiah Jordan-James did against uh, USC Upstate. He played 28 minutes. He scored 11 points, shooting three or five from the floor. He also had eight rebounds, five assists, three steals, I uh, believe one block shot, and zero turnovers in those 28 minutes. Uh, that is doing just about every single thing except for maybe driving the, the team bus there uh, or taking everybody home for Christmas break. He, he did everything in that game, and, and he did what he needed to do. And, and you mentioned Plovsic, and I think that's a really good point, Grant, because I, I think – I know I said this going into the season, and I, and I think we were in agreement on this, that there was a group of four guys in Tennessee's front court, and that would be uh, Olivier Kumlaw, Uros Plovsic, uh, Drew Pember, and Corey Walker. And out of those four guys – you needed at least one of them to be ready to go and to be a bona fide member of the rotation. And if you had two, even better. But you needed one because you're going to have nights. The way John Fulkerson plays, he draws a lot of fouls, but he's also around a lot of things. And he's usually pretty good at avoiding foul trouble. But the way he plays the game, at some points he is going to get in foul trouble just because a ref's going to see something the wrong way or he's just going to get caught up, you know, because he's, he's, he kind of, when he hedges out on those screens and he runs out, he's going to run into somebody. He's just going to do folky stuff. He's going to get into some foul trouble sometimes. Uh, Eve Pons, the way that he loves to block shots, go over on help defense, he's going to get into some foul trouble at times. Uh, even though refs tend to give those guys a pretty decent whistle, um, they those guys are going to get in foul trouble sometimes. Anasiki is a just a brutal physical player. He is a guy who is only 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, but he's as wide as he is tall. He's a really physical dude, outstanding rebounder. He's also going to have some nights where he's going to commit a lot of fouls. You're going to have games where you're going to need these guys. And it's nice to have Josiah Jordan-James slide down to the four, uh, but sometimes teams are going to have enough length where you're going to need to play uh, some bigger lineups there. And with all the COVID things and guys could get in contact tracing here, there, guys could get out. You just need depth and, and that front court. And we don't know what we're going to see from Corey Walker yet. I, again, watched him after uh, he didn't play because he's still coming back from that toe injury. He didn't play against Upstate. But it was a good 30 minutes to an hour after the game. He's still out there just pouring in three ball after three ball after the game doing workouts. And the kid's a shooter, man. Like, everybody can shoot when nobody's around you, um, but that kid's a shooter. He, he can do some things. I think he's more of a long-term project probably, um, but he's a guy who uh, would play for a lot of Tennessee teams in the past right now. He'd be the, he'd be good enough to do that, uh, which you expect from a top 100, top 125, whatever he was recruit. So I think if Tennessee – we know we're going to get from that backcourt most of the time. You know, Bailey has been the player that I, I thought he would be. He is really, really exciting. He is an absolute haymaker uh, of a shooter. And he's going to have nights where he could easily put in 30 just because he wants to score and he can do it. Um, and he's also just an elite athlete like a lot of guys on that team are. I know what I'm going to get from that backcourt. What I want to see is that front court. will those guys give them a little bit of depth because, Grant, they're going to need it. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to how many times did we hear Rick Barnes say we're going to need John Fulkerson. Um, this was leading into the 2018-19 season yep. when John Fulkerson yep. – had a breakout year, and he, he actually started to look like the player that Rick Barnes had talked about so many times, and we kind of shook our heads saying, what's this guy talking about? When's this when's this going to show up? Uh, I don't think they're going to get out of Fulkerson. What he keeps talking about getting out of Fulkerson, obviously. Yeah, for, for a guy who doesn't touch alcohol, Rick Barnes made me wonder if he was drunk occasionally right. talking about he Fulkerson at times. So many times, and we had never seen it. So I think what you're looking for with Olivier and Urosh, who can be kind of that next John Fulkerson on that John Fulkerson track where you don't really see what might be there, but they can find it. I think Olivier has the physical tools and the skill set. I think he has to play quicker. I think he has to 
know what he's doing with the ball before he gets the ball. I think he has to know his spots on the floor and know what he's going to do. I don't think we've seen that at a consistent level yet. Um, with Eurosh, you know, it's a it's a really long list of stuff he has to do better and, and ways that he can contribute uh, if he's going to get on the floor. But the Duke but plays who, hard and he tries hard. Right. Who can be that guy that kind of develops out of nowhere? And and Tennessee leaned so heavily on John Fulgerson last season because they didn't have any other options. Well, they have options, obviously, this year. They have options in a crowded backcourt. They have options with Fulkerson, with Eve, with, even with EJ Anasicki off the bench. You have options in the paint. All you need from Olivier, like we talked about earlier, is 10 good minutes a night. If he played 10 good minutes, you could rely on him. That would be a huge step forward, not only for this team, but for Olivier's progress. And if he can be that kind of Fulkerson guy that just develops a little bit slowly over time, uh, and then at some point has a breakout uh, season or a few games or SEC schedule, whatever. Uh, he could have breakout moments where he turns into a really productive player later on. But if he can do what he did against USC Upstate consistently you know, throughout the SEC schedule, it would be a huge step forward for him. Because you can see the talent there. There's no question he has the talent. I mean, 6'8", really good athlete, uh, good rebounder, can play defense. Uh, once he figures out – and he's a really smart kid. So, you know, just because you're smart doesn't mean you're – you understand hoops things intrinsically. Sometimes it just takes some time. Some guys just kind of have that brain. In football, they call it FBI, football intelligence. Uh, sometimes in basketball, dudes just have hoops intelligence, and sometimes guys got to learn it. And I think that he's a guy who, once he figures out exactly what he's doing or what his role's supposed to be, I still think he could have a bright future at Tennessee. Because some people keep saying, I don't think he's good enough to play right now with, with where Tennessee is. I just don't agree with that. I think he's a guy who – Listen, there's going to be games where you put him out there and you're going to see really quickly in a minute or two, this isn't going to be his night, and you put him back on the bench, and that's how it is. But I think there's going to be some games where you could roll with him 15 minutes or so and he could do some good things for you. Not just a guy who's a space filler, but a guy who can do some productive things if he sticks to what his game is supposed to be. And Brick Barnes, to his credit, is usually pretty good at telling guys, this is exactly what I want you to do. And if you do exactly this, you will succeed. And if you don't do this, you will not succeed, and I will not play you. He is very, very clear with these guys. Sometimes you, you got you to gotta get to what he's saying and not how he's saying it, um, but what he's actually saying, he, he usually, nothing's infallible, but he usually knows what he wants his guys to do. And when they listen to him, uh, if you survive and you kind of get through that meat grinder, you turn into a pretty good player. He, that's why they develop guys. Uh, quickly, Grant, before we step out of here, looking at Missouri, obviously coached by Conzo Martin, a man familiar uh, to a lot of us uh, on this podcast and a lot of people who are listening to this podcast. Tennessee's former coach took the Vols to a Sweet 16, uh, but sort of wasn't just never quite meshed with Tennessee's fan base, the style of basketball, his personality, just wasn't a fit. Uh, he ends up going to Cal, then he goes back to the SEC in Missouri, uh, and, and he recruits really well at first, um, but then there's some injuries and some bad luck two years in a row, you're losing your best player, um, and then there weren't maybe as many expectations going into the season, and lo and behold, uh, they're a good team. Uh, they might be behind Tennessee uh, only in the SEC. This might be the second-best team in the league, and you're asking, how do you know that? They've played six games. Well, I'll tell you, they've already beaten Oregon on a neutral floor, they went to Wichita State um, and beat Wichita State uh, in their gym and then had a statement win over an Illinois team that had just pantsed Duke uh, in Cameron Indoor. Uh, and so a lot of people, maybe if you just kind of watch that Bradley game and watch them kind of have to rally in the final minute in a 54-53, very Conzo ball-looking win over, over Bradley, uh, I think uh, there's if you look at the full resume there, there's a lot about this team that should give you some concern if you're Tennessee. I want to be clear about this, Grant. I think Tennessee has more talent. I don't think there's any question about that. But this Missouri team has some experience, and it looks a lot like a Conzo Martin, Nicodemus, Christopher kind of team. These guys are tough. They are mentally tough. They might not get a ton of steals, but they're going to sit back and wait and make you defend. They're going to rebound. They're going to build a wall. Uh, and you're going to have to physically beat them and because the, I don't think they're going to beat themselves. They might not shoot well, and that might cost them in some games, and, and that's the reason why maybe they're a, a second-weekend tournament team and, and maybe they're going out in the first round because they just don't hit enough shots. But I think he's got a pretty good team there in Columbia. I don't think it's any coincidence that Tennessee is one of the more experienced teams in the SEC and Missouri is one of the more experienced teams in the SEC, and those are the teams that have had success through the first handful of games here and a team like Kentucky that's got so much talent, but so little experience. 
uh, has struggled. So a, a 9 p.m. tip Wednesday at Mizzou Arena, put on a pot of coffee. This is going to be a rock fight. It's not going to be the most appealing basketball, obviously, that you've ever seen, the most exciting product on the floor. But it's two experienced teams, two teams that want to play defense every possession. Points are obviously going to be at a premium. Um, it's, it seems like it's always hard to score there. I think the team that, that Tennessee had, 2018-19, obviously, that was a really good team. They went there and scored 87 points. That's obviously a, kind of an outlier. It's going to be more of the 55-53 kind of games I would expect that we've seen at Missouri Arena in the past few years. Um, this team, like you said, Conzo, with the experience on this team, kind of the continuity, they know what Conzo wants, and they're going to go out there and try to, to, to execute it on the defensive end. They're going to want to play defense every single possession. And for Tennessee, going on the road for the first time, they don't have those organs on a neutral floor or going to Wichita State, they just haven't had that. They wanted that early in the schedule. It didn't happen because of COVID and positive tests. So now you got to start finding answers on the road. you got to figure out what kind of team you are. Can you take care of business? Can these young guys handle the road? Obviously, it's not hostile gyms. It's not full houses. There's no opposing crowd, basically. You have to find your own answers and, and your own juice on the road and go and take care of business. I think Tennessee can, should win this game. They have more talent. They have experience just like Missouri does. It's a matter of going there, finding answers, uh, and seeing what you have as a road team after you kind of know what you have from six games at home against a good Colorado team, a decent Cincinnati team, and a few other teams. Yeah, you know, they've got some guys like Penson's given Tennessee some problems before. Uh, we know Tillman is a, is, a, is a solid big man. If he's ready to go and he's good to go, he's a good player. Uh, they've also got a seven foot three freshman who should be quite the spectacle to behold in person. But uh, you know, I, I go back and forth on this, Grant, because I think just my natural inclination, being a guy who knows Conzo pretty well, and you know, st- still talks to the guy occasionally, and, and has a lot of respect for him, and, and knows what his teams are doing generally. This, you know, you, you sort of get this impression that, like you said, that that it could be a rock fight because that's just kind of where our brains naturally go. Uh, but when they went to Oregon, that was an 83-75 game. Uh, when they went to, uh, and played Illinois at home, that was an 81-78 game. So I think this team does have the ability to score. But I think, like you said, it, what makes it tough is that this is two really, really good defensive teams that are going against each other. And it just seems like the, these defenses might make it that kind of game. Uh, because Tennessee's defense is, is just fantastic. There's very, very little to complain about. Tennessee, I think, now, what, third in, in, in adjusted def- defensive efficiency there for, for Ken Palm. So that you know what you're getting there. Uh, those guys are, are just fantastic defensively. And Missouri, I don't think their defensive numbers are quite as high as they've been before, um, but I still think they're pretty darn solid there. I'm going to check it real quick. They are 28th nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency. So that's maybe not quite as high as Conzo would like, but I think that's 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 certainly good. You know, if, if you're top 30 in both categories, you're usually pretty good. If you're top 20 in both categories, you're really darn good. Uh, and right now, uh, there are only a couple teams. There are a few teams in the country right now who are top 20 in both. Gonzaga's top 20 in both. Uh, Baylor's Wisconsin. Baylor's top eight in both, and Wisconsin is top nine in both. So Kansas is top 20 in both or top 15 in both. Uh, you know, Houston top 15 in both, and Tennessee right now only 26 offensively, but third defensively uh, right now. So so and only Texas Tech uh, is is above them. So and one other team. So you look at those numbers, and I think you. It's just funny because part of me thinks this could be weird and it could buck the trend and it could be a higher-scoring game for Tennessee-Missouri than we're used to. But it's just hard because the brain just wants to go to, okay, this is Rick Barnes against Conzo Martin, so it's going to be a rock fight, right? Isn't that just kind of what the brain defaults to? And I think Tennessee would prefer, maybe I'm crazy saying this, a 60-50 to win opposed to an 80-70 to win. Um, I think this team wants to play that kind of defense more so than it wants to score, would be one of the better offenses in college basketball. Maybe that's a crazy thing to say, but I think that would be, I think it would be better fitting for Tennessee because Tennessee has a lot of options in terms of who can score on the offensive end. They haven't really developed who that go-to guy will be, and who knows if they do develop that guy at some point in the season. They need to, obviously. Who can you you get the ball to to go get a tough bucket when your team really needs one? Um, But I think they want to play defense at that level. Uh, I think they would be more proud of being third in defensive efficiency in the Ken Palm ratings than 26 or 28th, whatever the number was in offensive efficiency. And 
the teams you mentioned, there's a lot of elite college basketball programs from that list that you went down that are inside those top 20 rankings in both ratings. Tennessee, to be one of those elite teams and to keep playing like that and to be kind of around those other programs, this is the kind of game where you need to go and handle your business. It's a really good Missouri team, probably the second best team in the SEC right now, obviously. I think the only other SEC team that's ranked right now. So you need to go and handle your business and kind of make a statement because so far nobody really knows a ton about you other than you beat Colorado uh, the first game of the season, your first game of the season after having to wait a couple weeks and you haven't really played a huge game since then. So there's definitely a statement kind of opportunity on the line here for Tennessee. And if they want to be one of those elite teams, they need to handle their business. I think you're right uh, about that because Tennessee is – Picked it up in tempo this season. I think maybe 75th or so nationally in, in adjusted tempo, which is more than it's been before uh, with Barnes. Uh, Missouri's still 216th nationally in tempo, so you know they want to grind it out. Um, but to me, it's impressive that they've scored 80-plus in some of these games while being 216th nationally in tempo. That means you're pretty efficient you know, offensively, or you're at least creating a lot of offense from defense. So, uh, Which is interesting because Conzo Martin teams don't usually go heavy on steals. They kind of sit back and build a wall and make you take bad shots. So it's interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's you know, really kind of exciting that Tennessee gets to go on the road to play maybe the second-best team in the league to start conference play. I think, hey, that, that gives you – uh, you know, a quick jolt about, hey, you're stepping up a level now. This, let's see what you got. And I think that's going to be that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, that's going to be Wednesday night, so we'll have another podcast Thursday. We'll we're, we'll be breaking that down. Uh, possibility of Wednesday night. I think Thursday is probably more likely, um, but there's plenty uh, to discuss there. Plenty more football, obviously, to discuss too that we'll have later in the week. So, lots of fun things. We're happy to be back. And uh, since we had to go away for a little bit, we wanted to come back with uh, our most exciting member of the staff, and and that's Ramey. It always has been. False. He is the personality of the staff. You got anything else, Grant? False. I got nothing. I'm going to take a nap and get ready for a nine o'clock start. All right, go get it. Go get it, guy. Thanks for joining us. And you know what? If I can find this button again, let's see if I can do this correctly. Can I get it? Can I get it? Yeah, I can get it. Thank you all for listening. We always say it, and we always mean it. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can get all of us if you want Tennessee news and nothing else. You can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, which is updated uh, throughout the day. Uh, not just exclusively Tennessee stuff there, but but things that mostly that are Vols-related. You know, Vols, Vols-related or things that we think Tennessee fans would be interested in. And that's updated throughout the day. Tons of stuff on there, as always. But if you want to go directly to the source, get that delicious the East Tennessee Mountain, East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the source. Go to GoVols247.com and get that, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee athletics, Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, where Vitello and those guys really have it going on right now. Another really good recruiting class, a couple of the best players in the country joining the fold, so lots of fun stuff to discuss there. Also, Lady Vols stuff, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. we got a couple of uh, forums for fans that are open 24-7 the checkerboard and the summit where you can go talk to us about anything you want to talk to us about as long as it's not political or religious go there and talk to us and with our different schedules usually for 24 hours a day one of us is just about up just about any time of the day and checking the site so uh, you don't usually have to wait too long for a response and you can get all of that for the low low price of less than one mediocre lunch per month again i say that less than one mediocre lunch per month hell of a deal it's a hell of a deal. Go take advantage of it. And if you already pay us full price, then you get access to CBS All Access for free. That's CBS's streaming platform. Uh, every show CBS has ever made commercial free, including some exclusive shows that are only on CBS All Access. Some really good stuff there that we've been, my wife and I have been watching. Lots of good stuff there. New movies that are coming out uh, in and out throughout the every month. Lots of new stuff. Some, some really good old classics that are on there that we've watched or have been watching. Tons of good stuff there. Also, live sports. You got SEC sports. So that's Tennessee basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, SEC football. You get NFL football. You get the, the UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff. You get all of that. All of that. That's a $100 plus annual value in your pocket for nothing if you are a full paying member to go Vols 24 7. On top of that, 
There's also stuff from the vaults of Comedy Central, uh, stuff from MTV, BET, and from Nickelodeon and Smithsonian. Lots of really cool uh, Smithsonian shows on there, too. So go check that out. That's $100 plus of an annual value that we will give you for nothing. If you don't hear from us before Thursday, you should hear from us by then. Could be before then. Never know this time of year. But uh, until then, guys, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other, and uh, we will see you later this week. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.